Welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast, a San Antonio Spurs podcast brought to you by Kins 5, the official station of the Spurs. I'm Jackson Floyd, and joining me this week, we've got Kins 5 Sports Director Joe Reinagle. How are you doing today, Joe? I'm doing great, Jackson. Everything uh, is, is rolling right now, so it's a, it's a good time to be a Spurs fan. Great time to be a Spurs fan. And of course, we've got Mr. 10,000 himself, Tom Petrini. <laughs> well, I, I, can't, I can't lay claim to that title, Jackson, because I, I think... Uh, the true king of Twitter, Drill, has a, a coffee table book uh, called Mr. 10,000. Uh, but I appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's good, good to be here. Love, well, love all of you guys. It's like Bernie Mac, you know, in the movie Mr. 3000, he gets to 3000 hits. He's, he's Mr. 3000, but that doesn't mean he's the only one with 3000. So that's true. Yeah. Guys. And speaking of other Mr. 3000, shout out Derek Jeter, just because. And there we go. I'm, I'm going to edit that part of the podcast. Uh, we don't have to that. Uh, but hey, as Joe mentioned, it's a great time to be a Spurs fan. Winners of three in a row, including uh, the last two, New Orleans Pelicans and Washington Wizards. Tom, uh, we were talking the other day about the Pelicans win. Uh, we called that the most important win of the season. It feels like the Wizards game might have been the best win of the season. Would you, would you categorize it as that? I mean, it was, it was certainly the best game. I mean, it, it, it had to be one of the best games in the NBA this year, um, if, if you like what the NBA is and has become in terms of scoring the basketball. Not a lot of defense, pop cop to that afterward. Uh, but, you know, when you're playing against guys like Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, defense is tough. And especially, um, you know, with, with some of the, the foul calls in this game, the early foul trouble for Jakob Pertle, Pop said after that Pelicans win, I think, or earlier in the week, in one of the games where Jakob Pertl was instrumental defensively, hint, it's all of them, um, was like, yeah, he's really important back there, and we'd be in trouble without him, which is true. And uh, there, were, there were parts of that Wizards game where, uh, you know, for, for all of the, the freedom of motion and scoring that was happening for most of the game, that matchup looked more like a brawl in a toilet stall, and Len was winning. Yeah. And like, I would never want to be in a brawl in a toilet stall with Alex Len. But if I was, I wouldn't want to do it with three fouls and the guy officiating the fight, you know, watching my every move. And so we, we saw sort of a, a, a more timid hurdle, which I think led to some struggles defensively. So it wasn't the Spurs best game in terms of execution. Um, but in terms of entertainment, I mean, the shot making both ways at the end of this game, superstar stuff. Just, just incredible, incredible basketball game. And um, obviously one that the Spurs really needed to win. One of the two remaining games on the schedule in the last 13 against an opponent with a losing record. So they needed to get this win. And it's not like they're a bad team. I, I mean, mean, they, they won eight in a row. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, Joe, so, I, I want your opinion on this because you've been around this team longer. When, when we see a guy get into foul trouble like Pirtle, um, and you know, I'm not here to you know, Monday morning quarterback the referees or anything like that, but uh, I don't know about some of those calls, right? What is, what is Popovich, his mindset and his motivation to, to kind of get in the face of the refs, get that technical? How does that change the game? And, and what, what kind of credit do you give to him on that? 
I think I give a lot of credit for that because it's just human nature. I mean, you know, because officials are human, right? So they're going to maybe second guess a call that they made or maybe I shouldn't have called that. Maybe I, the whistle was a little too quick. Well, Pop gets in their face and, you know, they start thinking about that a little bit. And, you know, those coaches, and it's not just Pop, you know, some of the others that come out and start screaming at the officials and get teed up. Uh, you know, it, it sends a message to those guys that like, hey, you're really screwing up here and you need to get your act together and play a little bit better because my guys are out here playing really hard and we can't have these cheap fouls. And so I think it makes a huge difference. I really do. And, and Pop's a master at it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think something that jumped out to me with the officiating in that moment in particular, I mean, you had Keldon Johnson holding Pop back in one of the most hilarious <laughs> photographs I have ever seen. Like, Pop looks like uh, Mike Humphreys, our, our Ken's Five colleague, uh, put, like, the Gandalf, you shall not pass. It has, he's giving that with the face. It's incredible. Um, but you can tell that the officiating was not good because both teams and both fan bases had legitimate gripes throughout the entire game. Uh, it was not called consistently – it was uh, – it seemed to be petty at times. Like, there was there were some ticky-tacky technical fouls both ways. Bradley Beal picked one up, like, in the heat of overtime, yeah. um, which just seemed ridiculous. Like, I mean, you know, let these guys play. There was, a, there was an awesome moment at the end of the game, at the end of regulation. DeMar gets to his spot over his, you know, old friend and UCLA rival, Russell Westbrook, you know, hit – Goes goes for his step back, his his fade away from his from the elbow, rattles in and out. They run down the court, Russ chases him. They they shove each other a little bit. I was surprised they didn't both get ejected right there. Like <laughs> like that's that's how they were whistling this game, and that's not fun. Um, and part of that may be because uh, you know there was a story out this week that uh, at least ten NBA refs are dealing with COVID nineteen or. Um, you know, in, in quarantine because of it. And, uh, you know, they, they've got a lot of inexperienced or less experienced refs out there. People who would ref finals games and playoffs, playoff games are not out there. Um, and, but that's not to say that like, like there are still refs that I recognize out there, you know, and, and refs that have been, been out there for, for a while. So um, it's, it's tough, but I think, they really need to err on the side of, of letting these guys play a little bit. Um, and there, there was, there was one too, where like, you know, Russell Westbrook had picked up a tee for presumably saying something to the refs. And I, I was watching on the wizards broadcast and they zoomed in on his face and you could see and hear the expletives that he was continuing to say after the first whistle, uh, the kind of things that would get you that first whistle. Um, and, and this was in like the third quarter, I think, um, and, and so it was just, you know, you, you want to err on the side of letting these guys play, but also like, you know, you, you've got to, it, it seemed like if you're not going to call it there, why would you call it in the middle of overtime, you know? And Wizards fans, Spurs fans, everybody was upset with the officiating. Um, so uh, I, I think don't like to talk about that stuff. We like to talk about the basketball and ideally officials are just, you know, they're doing their jobs. Yeah. Like, and, and it's not a, a point of discussion, but 
not the officiating um, crew's best night, but maybe uh, one of DeJounte Murray's best games as a Spur, 25 points, 17 rebounds, one of three Spurs guards with a game like that. He's joining Manu Ginobili and George Gervin as players with 25 or more points and 15 or more rebounds. That's crazy. Uh, and then, of course, DeMar DeRozan, 37 points, 10 assists, coming off another, that's back-to-back games for him with more than 30 points and at least 10 assists. Joe, is this the best stretch we've seen from DeMar as a Spur? Is he just continuing to get better? I don't think there's any question about it. And, and again, I think it's the situation that he's in. And that's why I love, I love the odds of him coming back here next year because I believe that he loves playing with this group of guys that he's playing with. And he knows that that's, for the most part, going to be the team he's going to play with uh, in the future. Obviously, there's, there's going to be a lot of water to, to run under the bridge this summer, and we'll figure out what happens. But I really believe he feels comfortable on the floor. He knows how to play with the guys that are out there with him. They know how to play with him and how he wants things. And it's just a, it's, it's a really good matchup for not only DeMar, but for everybody else. You mentioned, uh, mentioned DeJounte Murray. I mean, this guy... And I don't want to say finally, he's still he's still a young player, but I really believe that when he first came into the league, people thought this might start taking place two years ago. I mean, but he's starting to come into his own, really feeling comfortable. And again, I think it's the comfort level with the rest of the players on the floor. I mean, these guys just are, are really getting in sync and knowing how each other plays. And that's why it's, it's really unfortunate now that, you know, that Derek White is going to miss some time and uh, because he was starting to work back into that, that mix and really start to play well. So um, I, I just think these guys, all of them, enjoy playing together and they really have a good feel for one another. And DeMar is really taking advantage of that. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you mentioned DeJounte there, too, and what he's grown into uh, throughout the season. Because, I mean, you look back at this Wizards game, he was the guy hitting the buckets in the, four, in the overtime. You know, DeMar got them there. DeMar took over in the fourth, but it was DeJounte who was the best player on the floor in that overtime. I mean, DeMar got to the free throw line. He had three free throws, but uh, DeJounte hit some big shots. Kelvin hit some big shots in the overtime as well. Uh, just a, a great performance from them. Um, and going back to the benefits of them, too, Tom, if, if, DeJounte, if DeMar does leave and go somewhere like the Knicks, do you think teams would start double teaming him? Is there an advantage here? The fact that he doesn't get double teamed uh, for the Spurs? What, what, is, what is the deal here with how teams are playing him? Yeah, so um, this, this is a, a good question that a lot of people uh, who have watched DeMar DeRozan beat their teams have asked, like, why wouldn't you double him there? Yeah. Um, but the reason really is that DeMar has truly blossomed as a passer here especially this year. Uh, I think after last night, he had he has a dozen games this year with 10 or more assists, which is more than he had in his entire career up until this year. Um, I, I think he's absolutely playing his best ball as a spur right now. I think you could argue that he's playing his best ball of his career. Um, and last night, we saw a incredibly high-scoring game but there were not a lot of three-pointers shot or made by either team, right? And you think about the way DeMar attacks, right? He's going downhill. He's attacking in pick-and-roll, isolations, post-up. He's trying to get to the rim, or he's getting open space in the, in the soft underbelly from mid-range, pulling up from there, right? Um, and so a lot of his passing opportunities out of that come from kickouts and getting it to guys at the three-point line. There were three different buckets last night that Keldon Johnson got where he caught the ball in the short corner with really not much space to work. 
and then got to the rim for a score. Um, DeJounte Murray is another guy who he can space the floor. He can hit threes. He can, he can shoot them and force the defense to respect him out there, but he's more dangerous attacking the basket. Right. And, you know, when DeMar collapses the defense, engages multiple defenders, gets them out of position, and then kicks it out to somebody who's got an open lane or a pretty open lane or a defender out of position, it, it gets things going for, for this Spurs team. Um, but as, as far as the growth of, you know, DeJounte Murray and Derek White, I mean, the, the two of them together, Derek was just hitting his stride, man. Um, he, this is going to be his fourth time this year dealing with uh, – this is his third foot injury and uh, his, he also recovered from COVID. And after the COVID recovery, he was looking great, man. He was getting back toward bubble Derek White things. He was shooting threes at a high clip and a high volume. Uh, floater game was really on point in that Pelicans win. Um, he is arguably the team's best and most reliable and most complete two-way player. Um, so it's, it's a tremendous loss to have him out. And the one, one thing that I really liked – was uh, the way that the Spurs played and managed the, the rotation early in, in a recent game where, you know, DeJounte Murray attacking downhill, doing what he does best, gets into a flow, and then he's the one that's kicking out, right? And finding Derek White to, you know, get... Uh, D- Derek White's incredibly dangerous on the catch, right? Because contests on his three-point shot don't really bother him. Um, and if the defender gets out of position, he can dribble in for an easier shot. Um, and so they both got hot doing that. And then Pop took DeJounte to the bench and let Derek play with the hot hand with the ball in his hands. Uh, and I think he had 13 first quarter points yeah. um, and, you know, continued scoring throughout. And so the way that these guys all play off each other, the, the two man game with those guys and Lonnie Walker, has been exciting. So um, the the young core here is definitely a lot of guys who are dangerous off the catch at the arc, which is what you want to put around DeMar DeRozan. Really solid defenders. That's what you want to put around DeMar DeRozan. Um, and, you know, as, as far as those final moments of the game go, right, like he's the bus driver, you know? Like every, everybody does their thing throughout the game, but you, you get to winning time. You want the ball in his hands. And, like, I, I feel calm wash over me when, when he has the ball, you know, like I, I just accept what's going to come, whatever it is, because I, I trust it and I, I trust him to, to make the right call. But um, on, on the not doubling thing, somebody asked him about it and he gave one of the best quotes I've ever heard, uh, which we'll, we'll splice in here if we can. But um, in, in short, if you're on the, Island with him, he's going to get to the pineapple first. All right. Well, we'll let, we'll let DeMar DeRozan, uh, put, uh, in his own words, describe how he's going to get that pineapple right here. 
I mean, Tom, you're right. You know, he, he, he's, he's the guy who's making the right call. There's one guy in the NBA with more than seven assists and two or few turnovers in the league, and that's DeMar DeRozan. Uh, and that's a league with, with some amazing point guards in it, like Kyrie Irving and Chris Paul. So props to him. Uh, you mentioned also just the, th- the lack of three-point shooting in the game last night. Uh, that is the first game where a team has won by scoring more than 140 points with six or fewer three-pointers made. Do you know who the last team was to do it, Joe, Tom? Any guesses? Wow. Um, I bet the Spurs did it. I bet it was the Spurs. 2010, the Spurs did it against the Golden State Warriors. They beat the Warriors by 40. Uh, They shot 70% in the paint. Uh, They shot 90 points in the paint. Um, It's just uh, just (laughs) – A wild game. Um, Matt Bonner Ooh. was for 10 uh, in the game. So uh, I need to pick up the film on that one. Um, oh, yeah. That's going to have to be a, a big, fun throwback breakdown. <laughs> to, to the game where Matt Bonner, yeah. Matt Bonner's best game is where. Uh, Tom, you start talking about the, the loss of Derek White and what that means for the team. Um, as we just mentioned, too, you know, the Spurs didn't shoot a lot of three points last night. They don't shoot a lot of three pointers to begin with. You know, the 20, as, as the Wizards broadcast like to point out, I don't know if you guys listen to the Wizards broadcast last night. Um, 29th in the league for uh, three-pointers taken, 29th in the league for three-pointers made. Derek White leads this team with free-throw attempts. He's, I mean, three-pointer attempts. He's taken seven three-pointers a game. That's, uh, that's not good uh, to take that out of the rotation. We don't know how long he's going to be out. Uh, the last uh, we've heard from the Spurs is he's out for the Miami game up next. That's as far into the future as they're going. Um, but Joe, who, who replaces him? You know, the Spurs are a next man up kind of organization. Last night, Patty Mills took the, uh, the, 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 the wealth of the minutes after White went out. Do you see them running with Mills more? Or is a guy like Walker or maybe Devin Vassell get more playing minutes here? Uh, you have to, right? I mean, Lonnie Walker's got to be the guy. He's got to, this is an opportunity for him, obviously, to come in. He's, he's been up to the challenge before, but I think he's the guy that really has to step up and, and take those three-pointers. He, he's not afraid to do it. He, he can shoot those things. And so, uh, and then Devin Vassell, it's really kind of a, a mystery to me why this kid doesn't get more minutes. Um, and, and, you know, watching Pop over the years, uh, you know, you, you kind of try and figure out what he's thinking and what he's trying to do. But with, with Devin Vassell, I just don't get it. Because every time this kid hits the four, he plays well. I mean, I, 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 for the most part, I mean, I, he just he proves himself. He's, he's got a pretty good grasp of what he's doing. But for whatever reason, right now, Pop just does not trust him completely. And I, it really baffles me. So, obviously, Lonnie Walker, but you, you got to figure Vassell's going to get some time uh, as well. And then Patty Mills has got has to step up, too, because obviously he's going to be relied on. Um, he's relied on a lot, but he's going to have to – you know, come around and, and, and hit some three-pointers as well. So, you know, it's, it's going to take more than one guy, I think, to replace what Derek was, was being able to do here over the last uh, couple of weeks or so. Yeah, and I was yeah. trying to box in what Derek's contribution was to the team is just three-pointers as well. Like, he's probably the best all-around two-way player on this team in terms of what he provides the offense, the defense he can provide, the individual man-to-man defense. I mean, DeJounte is up there as well. Tom, you were talking about, you know, not a lot of defense played last night, but individually, DeJounte had some tremendous plays. Getting in there between Beal and Westbrook on one handoff to, to knock the ball away and uh, open up a transition basket. In, in overtime, like, like in, in, the, in the heat of the game, and you've got Russell Westbrook literally just handing the ball, turning around, back to the basket and handing the ball to Bradley Beal like 35 feet from the basket. Yeah. And DeJounte just came in and blew it up. And that was, that was amazing. But, you know, we, we saw some last night where Patty Mills 
in the fourth quarter, he hit incredible shots to, to get the Spurs back in. And he hit a couple threes that were really well contested, honestly. And, and he just drilled them. Um, but also there were stretches where he was guarding Bradley Beal, which should never happen. Just should never happen. Um, we, we've talked about the Patty trap before, but they weren't even really doing that. It was just Bradley Beal cooking. Um, and so I, I think that it, it needs to be Lonnie in the starting lineup. And one thing that we'll see here is, um, you know, how he, how he looks in the starting lineup after the changes that the Spurs and he have undergone this year, right? Starting this year, you know, the Spurs probably would have preferred to have Derek White in there the whole time as evidenced by giving him the starting job when he came back. Um, Lonnie did a pretty good job. He shot the three pretty well. He, he was basically the fifth option in that offense though. Um, and, you know, mainly spacing the floor. Um, his defense, his def- advanced defensive metrics, the film wasn't great, but at the same time, if he's getting attacked in pick and roll, the guy that's got his back was the Marcus Aldridge. Um, so I'm interested to see how that part of his game looks in the starting line of the Um And I'm also interested to see if he can bring that intensity, that, um, you know, alpha mindset, basically, that he can have and display on the, on the bench some nights um, to the starting unit. Because, you know, on, on nights when DeMar DeRozan's out, he's got that mental green light, like, I'm going to go do me. And it, it feels like the lower he is on the pecking order, he, he feels that and knows that. Um, and uh, so, so it'll be that, – that's his main challenge. It's always been his main challenge, I think. Um, and we'll, we'll see how he adjusts to that role and for how long he has to play it. Um, silver lining – for White's injury is that Devin Vassell will almost certainly be back in the rotation. I mean, Joe, you said it, like there was a stretch where he played like four minutes of garbage time, four minutes of garbage time. And then he played like, you know, 20 minutes and had a career high 18 points and then garbage time, garbage time. And like, you know, it's, it's, Funny because there are some Spurs fans out there who are like, ah, this is evidence that Pop's losing it because he's doing the thing that he's done managing like young players for his entire career here. Like you can go back to Tony Parker and be like, wow, I can't believe he's short leashing this kid. He's got so much potential. And, you know, all the way through every Spurs rotation player here, basically, except for maybe DeRozan and Pirtle. Um, but even Pirtle, you know, earned his licks, right? Um, it's, it's, the, it's the way he does it. And it's been kind of unfortunate, uh, especially on nights when either Patty or Rudy or both just don't have it on offense and they're, they're not bringing it defensively. Devin Vassell has become a really confident shooter, a shooter that, you know, when he gets an open shot in the corner, that's a win for your team, right? On that possession, that's a win. And he's also bringing so much defensively, um, and this team could use that. So uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how, how that goes down the stretch. And, you know, if he gets into 
a rhythm here. Can Pop justify taking him out when Derek comes back? You know, um, it's it, it's kind of up in the air at this point. But uh, the guys that the Spurs have out there are playing at a pretty high level right now. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. I, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Bust out that crystal ball. Feet to the fire. Do we see Derek White before the play-in tournament? I don't think so. Uh, and Pop kind of mentioned that last night in the post game. Said, "Man, this is really bad." Uh, you know, some sometimes a sprain is worse than a break. Or, you know, I mean, it just takes a long time, and sometimes it hobbles you. And I'd be really surprised if he's back uh, at, at least until the playoffs begin. And, and that's certainly unfortunate because if that is the case, then you know it takes a game or two to kind of get your rhythm. They don't have a game or two, especially when they play in with the Golden State Warriors. So um, you know it's just unfortunate. I feel bad for Derek White. I really do. And, and and for the rest of the Spurs team because he was doing such a great job and playing so well. So I don't think we see him back. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I hope he comes back and and uh, is ready for the playoffs and has gets a couple games under his belt. But boy, the way that looked last night. Uh, I have my doubts. Now, is this, is this any sort of long-term concern for either of you guys that you have for Derek White? You know, he missed, this is his fourth instant, Thomas, you were saying, uh, being away this season. One of them was uh, completely out of his control, COVID, uh, you know, case of coronavirus, stepping away from the team there uh, due to the health and safety protocols. But he's had three leg in- injuries. You know, he broke a toe, came back, broke the same toe. Uh, he's dealt with uh, some foot issues. He had surgery during the offseason. Uh, now an ankle. I mean, is this going to be a consistent thing we see for Derek White's career going forward? I, th- I think part of my concern is just the way that he plays in terms of putting his body on the line, right? And that's, that's what you love about him, is that, that he's willing to just go out there and make the play at whatever cost to him, you know, chip his tooth, break something, you know, if – if he's laying down on the ground and the ref's like, ball's going that way, he's good. And um, you you appreciate that warrior mindset, but he's also uh, had some durability concerns now. It's also just been awful luck. I mean, you know, these are weird landings and stubbing your toe so hard you break it and, and getting COVID. Like – you know, it's it's a it's just been a, a tough run for him, and I you know, I, I worry that somebody's grandma has like put the evil eye on him. You know, like like what is happening here that needs to get fixed? Like, I don't know. Um, it's it's been it's been really tough for him though, and you you got to feel for him. You got to feel for the Spurs team who was really getting into a groove behind his play, and he was proving himself to be, you know, every every bit worth that contract um and so it's it's gonna be tough i i do think that there's i have a little more hope that he'll be back but i know the spurs won't rush him back mm-hmm. and part of that is the situation they're in with the play-in where they're they're pretty much guaranteed to be between seven and ten somewhere um you know they they control their own destiny in in the those terms and um you know they're they're not going to to even if they weren't even if it was a a hot race uh and they were fighting for their lives they wouldn't rush him back if he wasn't ready yeah um we'll talk a little bit about where they stand in the playoff scenario and what we see 
kind of we'll, we'll kind of make some predictions here as for where we see them ending up. Um, Joe, do you have any concerns about Derek White's? I, you know, I don't. And I agree with Tom. I think the the things that have happened to him this year have just really been bad luck. And, and and even last night, you know, honestly, when you watch an NBA game, I'm really surprised that more guys don't roll their ankles more than they do. I mean, with all the feet that they're coming down on in the paint, and when there's you know five, six guys inside fighting for a rebound, I mean, you know, it's it's really fortunate that that doesn't happen more often. And I think. Last night with Derek, and I, I tried to look at the video over and over again, it looks like he just kind of clips Jakob's foot. And I think that's what really started the turn, and all of his weight comes down on that thing. And uh, so, you know, it, it was just rotten luck. It really was last night. So, But I think Derek's going to be fine. Again, he just uh, needs to get out of this year, move on to next year, and hopefully things will be much better than they have been for him. Yeah, and maybe some parts of an offseason helps, right? You know, not yeah. Yeah, days off or whatever it was this past season. Like Joe, there's a reason that football coaches, you know, they 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 see their players go through the equivalent of like a, a couple car crashes a week with the impacts they put on their bodies. You can go skydiving in the off season, do whatever you want, just do not get on a basketball court. Right. Yeah, and you know it's it's a it's a risk, especially these are big guys. You know, yeah. it's. Even even Derek, who for the NBA isn't that big, that's six four and a, a whole bunch of muscle coming down on one very badly twisted ankle. Um, so we'll we'll see if it's a grade one, two, or three sprain. Um, if there's any ligament damage, uh, if it's a high ankle sprain, that that might make it a longer recovery. Uh, we're not doctors here, and uh, we're we're just going on on what we've been told from the team. Um, but obviously wishing the best to Derek White. Uh, and just a, a shout-out to one of the most wild defensive plays I've seen by a guard. He's the king of guard blocks in the league right now. He went up against a seven-footer in Jackson Hayes, snatch-blocked him with two hands. I had never seen anything like that before. It was, it was truly wild. And after the game, he was laughing about uh, stealing the block from Pirtle. <laughs> who was one short of his career high at six blocks. Uh, and and Derek was like, ah, I got six in one game. I got him on that. Um, you, can, you can tell these guys like really love playing with each other and, and they goof around with each other. But, but it's, uh, it's all love and there's a lot of camaraderie there. So that, that adds to the enjoyment of watching this team for sure. Well, Tom, you set us up for a perfect segue now to talk about Jakob Pertl over the last uh, oh. games here we've had. Great. I mean, you do this for a living. Um, but I love it, unconscious segues. Uh, Jakob Pertl, guys, I, I, we talked a lot during the first half of the season uh, about the season he was having, uh, just bringing it defensively, but historically just horrendous from the free throw line. Uh, so we have to spend some time here commending him for, for turning it around. You know, since the All-Star break, he's a 62% free throw shooter. Over the last 15 games or so, he's been even better than that. And just overall, on top of that, he, since the All-Star break, 11 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 blocks per game. Uh, the third best field goal percentage in the league for players who play at least 25 minutes a game. Uh, just a tremendous step up for him from a guy who uh, entered the starting lineup under um, kind of the, not really hazy, but uh, not controversial either. But uh, I, another player left the team uh, based on his entering the starting lineup. So, so we'll chalk it up to that. And then he was called out by a coach and, and, and kind of switched gears there. So, Joe, what do you think about the, the improvement we've seen from Pirtle over the stretch of games? I think it's great. And I think it's a, a, a tribute to him. 
And I think it was that game. And I can't remember who they were playing, but they went to the hack a yak right? And so Pop had to pull him out for Drew Eubanks uh, for that. And I think it embarrassed him, quite frankly. I just think he's that type of player. I think he's, he, he knows he can be a good player in this league uh, for a long time. And, and, and you, you get into that rut where you're a bad free throw shooter. I mean, it does no one any good. And I really think that kind of, I can't prove this, but I think it embarrassed the guy a little bit. And I think from that moment on, he said, you know what? I'm going to work my tail off on free throws and that's not going to happen anymore. And I think you're seeing the results of it. And it's just, you know, I think it's just one of those things that, that something snaps, something happens and it snaps and a guy says, all right, this is it. I'm focusing on that and we're going. And, and you see the results. I, I remember that game very clearly. It was the it was the Kings game. It was Gordy yeah. Jang's debut. Yep. He injured his shoulder on his first roll to the basket. So Drew Eubanks became, you know, the, the emergency like backup center. And that was the start of Drew Eubanks's yeah. ascension into a really great month of April here. But that game was on the last day of March. So it makes it really easy to look at the stats. Uh, in in January 25% free throw shooter, February and March, 44%, a little better. After that game, after which Pop was asked about it, like, hey, is that a concern? And he was like, yeah, it's a concern. I took him out of the game. And he was like, have you seen him improve at that at all? And he's like, no, he was bad at that when he got here, and he's been bad since he got here at that. And for, for the change to happen just like that, He's 77% from the line since that happened. And it was instant. And, I mean, his form looks better. It looks, it looks less segmented, more fluid, less rigid. Um, he looks more comfortable at the line. Shooting is a, is a confidence thing and a mechanics thing. So, so it's wild to me that, that the improvement was that stark after, after that. You know, it's kind of like a golfer. And, and, and I'll attribute to that. Sometimes, you know, you want to work on your drive, your, your iron game, but, you know, your putting, you can kind of blow that off. And I think with Jakob Pertl, maybe that's the case. He's working on his defense. He's working on the pick and roll. He's working on everything else. And free throws were just kind of put to the side. And I think from that moment on, he knew that, you know, that's got to be just as important as anything else. And, 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 and it flipped the switch for him. Yeah, so I mean, speaking to Pirtle's growth and, and the, the switch we saw there, I saw a lot of people on Twitter crediting, crediting Chip England for, for kind of working uh, on that with Pirtle. Um, I, I think a lot of credit goes to, to Pirtle, though, as you guys are saying, you know, something flipped, a switch flipped there. Uh, if it's a pride thing, if it's um, just knowing that this was a weakness he had to improve on, he did it, you know? We've seen players do that in the past. I think Dwight Howard is a guy who, who had a season where he was like committed to being a better free throw shooter after the Hacka Howard, Hacka Dwight thing became a thing. And he did that. And, and so, you know, it's, it, these guys are professional athletes. They're really good at what they do. Uh, and and Pirtle uh, found a way, you know, to, to flip the switch, to focus on that and to, to, to improve it. Joe, I, I love the golf comparison. I, that, that's right up the alley there, I think. Uh, you nailed, nailed that one on the head. Uh, and they're going to need Pirtle to continue to be good. I don't think he's going to be yeah. the guy they send to the line on technical free throws. Uh, but, uh, you know, doing pretty good. Uh, but over 75% for a big man. I mean, that's, that's really solid. And yeah. You know, it's with with shooting. I I really still just can't believe that it happened that quickly. Like you mentioned, Dwight Howard, he worked the whole summer on that, though. You know, like that that was something where like it it took 
hours and, and days and weeks and months in the gym, just working on the muscle memory. Um, and so I, like I, I asked Yak what, if, what was different at the line. And he basically said nothing like just sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, so if, if that's true and he really hasn't made any adjustments consciously to his form and he's just doing it better, the, that's a perfect stone cutter moment, right? Like just, just doing the work, shooting under 40% for a large percentage of the year. And then getting to this point where the Wizards announcers last night, he went to the line at a critical stretch in the game. And they were like, ah, this is good. This is the guy you want to send to the line. He's shooting under 50% from the stripe this year. They didn't know about April. <laughs> they, they, they weren't looking at the month-by-month splits, you know? So uh, maybe a secret weapon uh, a little bit. If, if teams want to try that, they'll, they'll get taught pretty quickly that it's not a, a working strategy, at least for now. Yeah, let's hope he doesn't regress, right? Let's hope there's no regression. So let's keep it up. Uh, Joe, another uh, Twitter shout out I want to throw your way. Tom mentioned the uh, meteoric rise we've seen from Drew Eubanks since that Sacramento Kings. Uh, I thought you'd like this one. Someone on Twitter called him Drew Alcindor. Uh, pretty fitting. Yeah, the hook shot's coming around, isn't it? I think it was the Both hands. Yeah, both hands. The guy's doing well. Boy, you talk about a guy that is just really taking advantage of his opportunity and, and it's showing that he can play this game. You know, and he's not going to be a big star. He, he's not going to – certainly not going to be, you know, a Lou Alcindor, right, or a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but the guy is solid, and he gives Pop solid minutes when he's in there. And, again, he hustles. And I, I just love to see guys like that that are taking advantage of the time that they get uh, and improving. And when they're in the game – they're not a detriment to your team. They're actually productive and they're doing things that they should be doing. So I'm a big fan of players that they, they just get that opportunity and make the most of it. I love seeing that. Absolutely. Uh, and he'll get yeah. more chances down the stretch here because the Spurs are going to rely on him. You know, we're seeing Gorgie Jang more in the mix. He played a significant minutes in the Wizards game last night, but it was still Yak and Drew were the guys in the rotation. Um, but, you know, as they go down the stretch here, the Spurs are tied for, eighth, for the eighth seed. Memphis owns the tiebreaker, so they're technically ninth. But, uh, you know, they're two games back of Dallas, one game back of Portland, half a game up on Golden State, four and a half games up in the Pelicans. And, guys, the Mavericks play Golden State tonight. So, we could see them kind of that move around a little bit more, right? So uh, it's all kind of up in the air. I just want to know, do you guys see a scenario in the next 12 games where the Spurs don't make the play-in tournament? I, the, so the wheels would really need to fall off the bus for the Spurs, and the Pelicans would need to go on a run. Spurs control their own destiny here, which is very different than where they were in last year's season when they came back into the bubble they were well under 500 and trying to claw into a playoff. It's different this year. They have extended their lead. That's why the Pelicans win was so big. Um, the magic number is seven now. So any combination of seven Spurs wins and Pelicans losses will secure San Antonio's spot in the play-in. Um, it would be very hard for the, for the Pelicans to get there. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to, make any uh, snide jokes here about like how the league would definitely want the Pelicans in there over the Spurs because <laughs> even in the victory last night, the more marketable thing uh, for a lot of accounts was uh, Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook's numbers in the loss. Uh, 
but like <laughs> you know so so if the fix is in uh yeah no that that wouldn't be great i don't think the fix is in though uh i i think that the spurs are gonna get at the very least to the bottom half of that play and and if they get to the top even better because then they'd only need to win one game and they could afford to lose one too um there's a very slight chance that they catch Dallas for six, but even if they do, they would need both Portland and Memphis to fall as well. So, you know, that's essentially three coin flips you need to win if you're playing well on top of that. And we know that the Spurs schedule is tough here, but even though the schedule is tough, I I think they're um, in pretty solidly going to be in that seven to 10 range because it's so tightly packed. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't see them falling out. They're just playing too well. Even with a loss of Derek White, I think this team will, will regroup and recover and play well enough to win enough games moving forward uh, to, to get into the playoffs. I mean, at this point in time, I hope whatever they do, they, they play on the road because, <laughs> you know, they're, they're much better. You know, I saw a stat today. I think it was Dan Weiss who sent that out that for the first time in, in Spurs history, they have a winning record on the road and a losing record at home. I mean, and that's unheard of. And I know it's different times and, and the home court advantage doesn't mean what it normally means during a regular NBA season. But, um, you know, this team, for whatever reason, just seem is right now just playing better away from the AT&T Center than they are at home. And so um, they're going to make the playoffs depending on, on where they get. Obviously, I'd rather see them move up a little bit where they've got a little wiggle room. Um, but either way, I think they're playing well enough and, and they're going to be able to compete and, and, and who knows? Yeah, I think the play of DeMar and DeJounte will be enough to overcome the loss of Derek over this next 12-game stretch. And Joe, you mentioned the, uh, the, the road warrior mentality they've had this season. Over the next 12 games, eight are on the road, four at home. I mean, the last two games are at home, so really it's like eight and two uh, down the stretch here. Uh, but man, it's a brutal stretch. Uh, over the stretch, 11 games of the next 12 are versus playoff teams. Two of those games are against the two best teams in the East. They play the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, no, they play the 76ers and the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Four of the games they have left are against the two best teams in the West uh, between the um, Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns. It's going to be a slog from here on out, but it's been a slog this whole season. They're prepared for it. Um, yeah, they just got to beat Sacramento. <laughs> you can't lose that, the, the, the one easy game you have left. And Sacramento beat Dallas last night. Chemezi Metu was hitting threes and talking smack. Good for you, Chemezi. Yeah, Tom, are you worried about a Chemezie Metu revenge game here on the schedule coming up? Chemezie Metu already got his revenge on the Spurs because it was him who Gorgie Jang sprained his shoulder on. Uh, but and to to go to Jang and, and Eubanks for a second here, because uh, I mean we got to give Drew his flowers, right? He's he's been awesome here, um, also awesome in his role, right? Um, I do think this is about like as high as he can be, especially right now in his career. And I think it's interesting. A lot of people get wrapped up in like, oh, Pop always plays the old guys over the, over the young guys. Not necessarily, right? Because Gordie Jang has been in the NBA for maybe longer than Drew Eubanks has been playing basketball, right? It's, a, it's about trust with Popovich. And Pop has seen Drew work, has had him in the building for – a longer time. Uh, and even though Jang is bigger and shoots better and, you know, more of a potential upside play, Pop is going with the guy who he knows and trusts a little better. Um, so I, I, I think 
especially in these last dozen games, I'd love to see more of Jang and what he can do and what he can, what he or a player like him could bring to this team. Um, because at a certain point, you know what you have in Drew Banks, right? And you know what you have in Rudy Gay and Patty Mills. Um, but there, there are players on this team with, you know, crazy physical profiles, younger guys, you know, pe- people who can, you know, change the game, make an impact. Um, and Pop's rotation has been pretty rigid here. Um, so resting guys to, you know, keep them fresh is another thing, right? And, and that balance for the rest of the season is something I'm going to watch closely. Because how many more games can you, can you run DeMar like this without giving him another day off? Absolutely. Um, it's yeah, it's back tough back. for me to cover these games one, one, <laughs> with one day in a row like, of, of break. You know, I can't imagine playing it. Yeah, Joe, what were you saying about the back-to-back? Yeah, these back-to-backs, you know, I know we have one coming up Sunday, Monday, um, and then, you know, two games in a row against Utah. That's, that's going to be a tough little stretch right there. Um, you know, so you, you're hoping they can get more of those than they lose. But, but again, it is tough, and, and we've talked about this before. Even as in great a shape as these guys are, it's just brutal. And you guys know, because you've been on the floor watching these games, how physical – these guys, and TV doesn't do it justice, but you're on the floor and you hear these guys and they're slapping each other and they're banging each other and it, it just wears on your body. There, I mean, there's no doubt about it. And so um, it's, it's a tough stretch coming up. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how these, some of these teams play, especially when you get down to the end with the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, do they have to play? Are they going to just, you know, rest their guys? So a lot of that will factor in as well. Joe, that's an excellent point. You know, this is a brutal schedule for everyone, not just the Spurs, right? Yeah. So yeah. as we're down the stretch playing 11 playoff teams, maybe the Spurs are the team on the schedule for teams to rest their guys, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe we won't see James Harden and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in the Nets game. We might see one of the three. Uh, maybe we don't see, you know, Rudy Gobert in the Jazz game, in one of the Jazz games, right? So that might play to the Spurs' advantage. That's why I think, Tom, you're right. You know, the magic number is seven. But the games we see in person on TV may not be as tough as the games they look on paper. And uh, real quick, Tom, just a quick aside, you were talking about the chemistry and the the trust that Popovich has in these players. Sometimes the guys making the, ro- the rotations are the guys that the players trust, you know, that all of the players have a bond with. There was a game when um, I believe DeMar was out, a few of the guys were out. I think DeJounte and DeMar were both out. Their starting five were all guys who had time in the G League with the Spurs and played together with the Spurs. And we saw Shamanich and Eubanks, that, that kind of gel on the court, right? You know, and, and it, it, was really, it was really awesome to see. Uh, so just uh, the, something cool uh, that you see in this from, from the Spurs team who, who trust the players, who trust themselves, right? Um, I, I can't think of many other teams who might roll out a all G League starting five. Uh, so pretty cool. Uh, before we wrap up, guys, I just have one last question I want to address, and it's something that Demar Derozan brought up recently. Uh, he said this team isn't the team. You know, this team is better than the than what the record reflects. And we've said it through the season. You know, I think they peaked as the, the fourth seed in the West for a while before uh, you know things kind of took a tumble, and then of course they missed time from COVID. Uh, had a really tough back half of the schedule. It's been um, a lot of basketball for this team, and, um, and you know, right now they're sitting in the fringe for that play on game, you know, they control their destiny, but there is a chance they don't make it right. Um, are they better than the record suggests? Who is this team to you guys? Joe, what do you see from the Spurs team? Um, are, are they better than they, than what's represented in the record? Yeah, I absolutely believe they're better than that. And we've seen it over the last few games I mean, the way they've played, 
uh, the playing the, the defense are playing with the exception of the Washington game. That's that's an anomaly, I think. But for the most part, you know, their defense has stepped up um, and they're playing well together. But it, there's so much talent on this team that that I think you're going to see that from time to time. This team is going to be so much better next season than they are this season just because of the seasoning that they've gotten going through the, the slog that they've been through this year. So uh, they're young, but extremely talented. And I think when they all play to their capabilities, this is a really good basketball team. Yeah, I, I think, you know, every every battle that these guys have been in this year against good opponents and bad, won and lost, has helped them develop and – uh, I said before the season started, this team will be closer to a guaranteed playoff spot than they will be to the lottery as long as there aren't, you know, significant injuries. And there were pretty significant injuries. There, there's been a lot of adversity that this team has had to deal with beyond their control. Um, and even still, at this point in the season, they're still closer to a guaranteed playoff spot than they are to the lottery. Um, so you, you've got to look at that as a successful season so far. And you've got to look at the Spurs as a team who are the kind of team that other teams don't really want to play too much in a, in a one-game play-in um, because they, they have been kind of through circumstances, you know, beaten down a little bit. But – you know, just sort of hitting their stride at the right time. Um, so I, I think that it's, it's been really cool to watch this team grow throughout the, the struggle this year. Uh, it's something that will help them years from now, but it will also help them down this stretch here. They're battle-tested this year. Uh, they, there are not many situations that they can get in where they won't be able to say, yeah, we've come back from worse. You know, we've, we've, we've played better teams. So I'm excited to see what this team has uh, in the tank down the stretch. And um, for Pop, we know it's never about the team in front of them. He doesn't, he doesn't watch film, right? We know the staff does, right? We know, that, we know that they scout other teams. But it's really about what the Spurs are doing, how they're executing, how they're playing with each other. Um, and that part of it has been at a really high level here. Yeah. Um, you, you spoke to that adversity. I mean, one of the biggest stretch of adversity they've had, aside from maybe the COVID outbreak in which five players were away from the team, was losing LaMarcus Aldridge, you know? Um, yeah. that's not, ideally, for the Spurs organization, having Aldridge on this team was their best bet. You know, they wanted him to kind of find a place in the rotation with the second unit. And, I mean, after speaking to Aldridge, came to an agreement that, you know, what was best for both parties was for him to leave the team. Um, but how many teams lost a star player, one of their two most important players going into the season and was able to rebound. I look at, you know, different circumstances, obviously, but the Houston Rockets, you know, lost James Harden and Russell Westbrook. I mean, that's a huge loss for them. But I mean, that team didn't gel together. That team didn't come together. I, 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 10 new parts of that team, um, not a well-run organization in, in that sense. And you, we saw the general manager step away. Uh, I love And the they got way more back than, than the Spurs got for Aldridge. Which yeah. was, you know, basically cash to bring in Gorgie J. Right? Exactly. They got Victor Oladipo. They got 
John Wall back um, so, and just couldn't major, make it work. Yeah, major props for the Spurs organization for overcoming that adversity among all the other ones they've seen in the season. It's funny to hear you, Tom, say that, you know, they're, the teams in the playoffs may not want to face the Spurs based on what they've been through. You know, seeing them in the bottom of the playing games. Man, Golden State Warriors are the other team right there in that bottom spot. I wouldn't want to play either of those teams in the playing game. And that's maybe why you're seeing Luka Doncic and Mark Cuban kind of saying, why do we even have this? Why are we letting, you know, Steph Curry and this uh, spicy Spurs team into the mix here uh, who might knock us out in the playoffs? Um, I, I just don't want to play Memphis. They, they seem to have our number. Let's not play Memphis in the play-in round uh, for whatever reason. Um, I'm, I'm scared. Uh, th- I'm sure the Spurs aren't as cowardly as I am. I'm sure they'd be rather would like to take it to Memphis, who, who, who beat them twice this season and scored a bu- bucket of points on, on this team. Um, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, you look at those three other play-in teams, right? It's, it's them and Portland and the Warriors, right? And what do they have in common? Um, a, a really dynamic point guard, right? Dynamic scoring point guard. And uh, in games with LaMarcus Aldridge playing drop coverage and pick and roll defense, those guys feasted. You know, it'll be a little different with Pearl in there, hopefully a lot different. Um, but still just a tremendous challenge, whoever you are. And if you look at the Spurs roster, I mean, they're uniquely equipped to handle personnel-wise talented guards, you know, they've got DeJounte Murray, they've got Derek White, Lonnie Walker can check multiple positions. Um, and, and with Pirtle as a, as a switch big day, there were stretches of the last night's game where Kelvin Johnson was guarding Russell Westbrook, you know, so they, they've got a bunch of different versatile defenders that they could throw at these guys, but it's one game. Right. And, um, you know, you, you don't know if Steph's just going to go off that night. And or Damian Lillard, for that matter. I mean, right, either, or John Moran. All, yeah. all of these guys can just yeah. go nuclear. That's what makes it fun, though. And and I, I, I the NBA is probably not going to stick with this format, but you know, it's fun. I really like it. It's kind of like adding a wild card team to uh, to Major League Baseball. You know, I mean, it, you have a lot of fun with it, and so um, I'm happy to see it. I don't want to have anything to do with Steph Curry. I don't care. So I really hope the Spurs get out of that. Uh, I do not want to face that guy at any point or any time. So that's, that's my hope is that they kind of move up a little bit or somebody else drops something. Let's just stay away from Steph Curry. I'll take my chances with everybody else. Yeah. I mean, I'm never going to complain about more basketball, you know, more, more fun, more, especially if the Spurs are involved. It's always nice to have more basketball. Uh, and we've seen condensed seasons in the last two seasons. It's nice to have more basketball. Um, I, I, I take offense to, to people who look at the play-in tournament and go, well, these teams, the, the Warriors, the Spurs, whomever is in those play-in spots, those aren't playoff teams because, you know, they're in there. They're in the postseason action. And we see it in wild card and baseball, like you mentioned, Joe, those teams sometimes make a run, you know, yep. and we may see the Warriors or the Spurs or whomever's in that spot kind of make a run. Um, especially with the way Steph Curry's playing and uh, especially with the way DeMar DeRozan's playing. These are two uh, top-of-notch, uh, top-notch basketball players uh, kind of hitting their peaks right now. Um, so. I, th- I think the difference, though, between the Spurs and the Warriors, between DeRozan and Curry right now is, I mean, the, the Warriors essentially are Steph Curry right now. Um, and especially in playoff time, like, like we saw what happened to Steph when he was the only guy in the finals. And that's not his fault. I mean, you, you should have talented players around you. 
And for a lot of his career, he has. And that's how you win championships. You don't do that with bad teammates. Uh, but this year, his supporting cast has, has left a lot to be desired. I mean, obviously, you've got Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre and Draymond Green. And they, they all do different things pretty well. Draymond, still a great defender, still a great ball handler. But they don't have the, the pieces that, that made this team lethal. And when you can key in on one guy, it makes it easier. And, I mean, it's, it's not like Steph isn't a great point guard. He's probably the best one uh, in the game today for my money. Um, but DeMar's teammates, who he trusts just as much, are executing better than Steph's teammates. Um, so Steph is obviously the singular – like, if, if you ask 30 NBA GMs, who would you rather have, DeMar DeRozan or Steph Curry? 30 NBA GMs would tell you Steph Curry. But if you asked who has the better team right now, I bet a lot of those GMs would say the Spurs. Uh, and, you know, which of those teams scares you more in the play-in? I bet a lot of, a lot of them would say the Spurs. So um, that, that's something that has always been San Antonio's strength, right? The, the collective, the group. I think we've still got seven guys averaging double figures, maybe eight now, if you count Derek White, uh, which you should. Um, you know, the, the well-roundedness is something that was on display in the games with DeMar out, right? And, and that was something where, like, opposing commentators were like, you almost would rather have DeMar in there because you can key in on him. And now you don't know where the bucket's coming from. Because, um, you know, like he said, End of the game, on an island, he's going to go get that pineapple. If he's not there, pineapple might move around a little more. Um, and that's not, you know, this is not a like, oh, the Spurs are better without DeMar thing, because I don't think they are. <laughs> um, but the Spurs also have a lot of ways they can beat you without DeMar on the court. Um, so I, I think that's what makes them a more dangerous team moving forward. That's Tom Petrini. You can find him on Twitter at RealTomPetrini. Join the throng of uh, 10,000 followers, if you will. And, of course, you can find his uh, contribution. Yeah, you know, we're, we're all followers under uh, Tom's body here. Uh, you can also find his contributions to our Spurge coverage at Kens5.com. He did a great breakdown on what the play-in tournament will look like, how the Spurs stack up against the teams there. So go find that. And then Joe Reinagle at JoeKens5. You got any final thoughts for us, Joe? Yeah, I just I'm looking forward to the remainder of the season and see how this team. I'm really looking forward to the game against Miami. Uh, I want to see how the Spurs adjust without Derek White and how they play without him. So I think that's going to say a lot uh, as we move forward. So I'm just looking forward to it. I, I really am, and, and and the postseason as well. It's going to be a wild stretch, and of course we'll be back next week to talk all about it. You can find Joe on TV as well at Kins Five. Uh, with all things Spurs and sports, uh, gearing up for uh, the, the the final stretch of the season here. Uh, be sure to join us next week as we break down uh, the slew of games we'll see, uh, including uh, we'll be in the middle of a back-to-back with Utah Jazz next time we record. So we'll have some thoughts in the first game, some analysis looking ahead at the second game. And, of course, be sure to tune in to Kins 5, the official station of the San Antonio Spurs. We'll see you next time. 